Welcome to Breaking the Underdog Curse for Chiropractors. I'm your host, Dr. Don McDonald, author of the best-selling book, The Underdog Curse. We give vitalistic chiropractors a chance to learn from the best around the world, discovering how they overcame their challenges and achieved success. In order for chiropractic to thrive, we must have thriving chiropractors. Now listen up, it's time to crush the curse. Hello, podcast listeners. I have two requests for you today. One is to go to drdonmcdonald.com and sign up for the email list because then you can keep up to date on what's new and going on in the world of uh, of the vitality shift and what's going on with the Underdog Curse podcast. Uh, the second thing I'd really love you to do is is we really would love any reviews for the show. So if you're enjoying um, breaking the underdog curse. Uh, you know, we put, we put our time and effort in, into this to make this a really good, uh, production. If you're enjoying it, I really appreciate it if you could go to iTunes or wherever you watch your podcast or listen to your podcast and, uh, and write a review. And, uh, that would just really help get the show out there and also share this with your friends. We, we really want to help vitalistic chiropractors around the world, uh, you know, keep them inspired on a weekly basis. And if you could share this podcast with others, we'd really appreciate it. So, Again, www.drdonmcdonald.com and give us a review. We'd really appreciate it. And I really thank you all for listening. And uh, I hope you enjoy this episode. It's a really good one. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Breaking the Underdog Curse. This is Dr. Don McDonald, your host. And today I get the honor to interview Dr. Chuck Rivley. Uh, he is down in Atlanta right now. He uh, graduated from, as he, as he told me, the Palmer School of Chiropractic before it was even a college back in 1960. Um, he helped uh, Dr. Sid Williams with life. He was on the board of trustees and helped them get through all their trauma with the accreditation. And uh, he still helps out today as a, as a consultant to the board. And uh, he has a really amazing story. I just met him at Cairo Europe for the first time. We were talking, uh, we went out for dinner about us being, we were on the kind of the West Coast going to the to Parker, and then they were on the, on the East Coast. And so it's kind of nice to kind of mesh up. So I thought that his message would be amazing to share with uh, the listeners out there. So welcome to the podcast, sir. Right. So um, uh, we'll get into your whole story, but how did you actually uh, learn about chiropractic in the very first place? All way back when it started for you. My folks always went to a chiropractor. I had never had chiropractic care. Uh, it was like when I was like 14 years of age, I left home. I, I, I went and lived in a monastery because I wanted to help people uh, make changes in their life. Cool. And uh, I left that because there wasn't any girls there. <laughs> It'd be hard to find them there. <laughs> So uh, when I was like uh, in 11th grade, my, uh, my father kept saying, you should be a chiropractor. I said, oh, okay, well, whatever. So anyways, when I was 11th grade, I sent my application away to Palmer to become a chiropractor. I never had an adjustment. I really didn't know much about it. Uh, it was, uh, to me, it's like an it, it unfolded this in my life. And then, uh, so I showed up there and, and I can tell you when, uh, again, the price was the, the grandfather of philosophy. And when I sat in my first philosophy class, I knew I had come home. Everything I heard in the chiropractic philosophy, I already knew. And if you understand what I'm talking about. We were, I, I was vibrating with that at the very moment. This is it. No, no doubt. So that was in the moment you're like, I made the right decision. Yeah, right. It was like an awakening right at that moment. And it was interesting going through because, you know, BJ was alive, but uh, <laughs> I was in the right place. But I wondered <laughs> after all the years of going through school, the person on my right and the person on the left, they surely heard a different message that I was hearing. <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh, they heard the different language. <laughs> yes, I was vibrating with what BJ was saying, but they evidently weren't. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what was Palmer like back then? 
tell the listeners a little bit about what was school like going to the Palmer school? I, I went to Palmer too, but way later and totally different, but how was it like in the sixties? <laughs> well, <laughs> the biggest difference, they smoked everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> no, no it's a, it was like, uh, the biggest difference. Uh, I, I don't know what the, the difference is today because I have not enrolled at a Carabrandi college recently. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I'm not going to go back and repeat that, but it was very, you know, to me, it's like, uh, the philosophy was the philosophy. It's the same today. And people keep saying, well, we're not teaching chiropractic philosophy. That was just like I was saying, the person on the right and left, BJ talking, and they didn't hear a word he was saying. So it really doesn't matter. The thing is in chiropractic, uh, whether we realize it, there's a spiritual energy the metaphysical principles. And it's, uh, it, to me, it's like, uh, how do you become a cardinal or a pope in the Catholic? Well, you go through all these classes and you become one. But how do you really, really become one that, that what does that click on a spiritual level that happens? And it's like interesting in chiropractic, there is a click that happens that all of a sudden you are in awareness. It's like all of a sudden it's like, yeah, I got this thing. And it's, it's that when D.D. Palmer said, when you're making a chiropractic adjustment, you're reconnecting the spiritual and the physical again. Uh, if, unless you get this understanding that clicks in your mind, you, you, you're sitting there puzzled. What in the world are they talking about? I thought they were about moving bones around or something. So, and it's right. so much more than all of that. There we okay. go. That was, that <laughs> we was had a security. Me, let's get with the program here. <laughs> let's get on focus. Yes. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to come back to that afterwards. Cause, um, it, it, that, that is interesting for chiropractors to learn how to get to that spiritual uh, connection part of it. But we'll talk about that in, in uh, a little bit further. But right when you graduated from Palmer, what did you do? Did you, did you, were you kind of on fire kind of principled right away? Um, did you kind of open on your own or did you associate? How did you start practice? Well, I, when I graduated, I was 20. So I couldn't get my diploma until I was 21. <laughs> so, and I wasn't about to go sell shoes. So I went and some chiropractor says, uh, can I come in and work for nothing? I just want to be around chiropractic. And uh, uh, fortunately, I found a, a chiropractor, brought me in there, and I spent three years, uh, like, helping him, working with him and stuff. And, I, you know, he threw some change to me, and I, I was just happy being in chiropractic. And so it was in 1964, I opened my own office. Where was that? And that was in Dearborn, Michigan. And it's interesting, I opened my office in 1964. By 1969, uh, we're talking about opening a chiropractic college because I was in Bala at Williams at this time. And uh, like we opened the college in, uh, uh, in 74. And it's like, I had five kids now and I'm trying to figure out how am I going to feed my kids? I have my practice and all this stuff. And, uh, and it was like a process. No, we're going to do this thing. And it, when I first got out of school, I was still active in, in uh, Palmer. I was president of Palmer alumni and all this kind of jazz. I, I have, it, right away, I started sending people to school. I think I had 26 students going to school all at one time, you know, three or four years after I got out of school, you know, it's just like, and uh, it's not because I'm a dynamic person. It's just that chiropractic is so good. You tell people about it. It's like, I'm an introvert. I wouldn't go out and get in anybody's face, but I would just tell people about chiropractic. And then, uh, you know, like, and why wouldn't you want to be one? <laughs> yeah, totally. Now, now a really cool thing is because we talked a little bit about this when we were in Malaga, Spain, and, and I was just getting a little history about Parker. Because did you end up going to Parker seminars first? And is that where you met Sid? Or how did you meet Sid? Yeah. Okay, I, I went to Parker. I had my first 50 patient day, you know, and I was leading off, going out to Parker. And, yeah. uh, and Parker touched my life. Uh, I went seven times in a row, did the whole you know, the little program like that. And, GTO, yeah. And, and uh, my uh, second son, uh, who's named James Parker. Uh, oh. And uh, I, I was really 
I was really in close with Jimmy Parker. I, I was the pre president of the, the uh, Parker uh, Brown Bangers in Michigan, all this kind of jazz, you know. Cool. And I was talking to Dr. I was talking to Jimmy Parker. I said, about, I got this thing about DE. <laughs> he says, yeah. uh, why don't you go? I says, so I, I was kind of like the spy. Yeah, you're the Parker <laughs> spy. Going what, what's going on at DE? Even though I know he used to be one of the pals and stuff. And uh, it was interesting. I went to Parker and... Uh, I never came back because it was like DE started where Parker left off in the metaphysical understandings. And it was interesting because I named my son, Jimmy Parker, James Parker. And through the years, he continued to make sure that he sent little cards and all this kind of stuff. And it wasn't until the year uh, when he had the, the big, uh, the big uh, convention in Vegas, uh, 2000, what it was, uh, and it was yeah, an ACA big deal. Anyways, yeah. I, I went out there to him. Uh, I was single food says, I'll get you on the program. And I spoke out there a little bit, stuff like that. And so then I went up to Jimmy Parker's uh, room. And that was interesting because he said, I want to tell you a story. And uh, he told me how this little light, little kid came to him and all this kind of jazz. Well, my youngest son, which was Sid Williams, died uh, and drowned in our pool. And he told me that he said, I come to the realization that little Sid had come to me, that was Jimmy Parker. And uh, he said, I always wanted to call and tell you, but I didn't want you to think I'm trying to get you back from, from Sid. He said, but I knew the day would come, I'd be able to share this experience with you. And so it was really a beautiful thing. So during that time up in this private room, when he was having his own program going on in the parlor section, yeah. he was relating all these things. And so, you know, Jimmy Parker w was uh, very dear to me. And uh, of course, Sid Williams was very dear to me also, and uh, I, I respect these great leaders that we've had in chiropractic and how they touched my life. Mm -hmm. Now, now, when you're in um, Michigan, how, how did you actually, were you on the board and still practice in Michigan and help with life in Atlanta, or did you move down there, or how long did you stay there? Well, I was, uh, it was probably in around 1969, I got involved with DE, and yeah. uh, I was sending, I was sending letters out to every chiropractor and so I, I proliferate kind of stuff going out like you're doing with the internet or something yeah, yeah. i was just i was mailing all this stuff out and <laughs> sending the new ethics of chiropractors and everything out and uh, i had was exposed to a radio show that one of the uh, my friends who was a member of the other organization now that threw me out because i was unethical <laughs> and, and uh, they said they're going after everything they could go for it so i was out in davenport i would lice him and i talked to uh, some of the chiropractors out there and i said let's get all these chiropractors to us together to think a certain way you know the de chiropractors the ica chiropractors let's form our little organization so i they, I, they agreed with it. so i came back and i formed the michigan chiropractic council with their help and uh which in four years grew to be the largest chiropractic organization in the state cool <laughs> And uh, we got politically active and, and things like this because at this time, chiropractors used to even get flu shots. They call that a procedure preparatory to adjustment. Now you've <laughs> got to really stretch your imagination that you're giving a flu shot and you're preparing for a chiropractic adjustment. But anyways, we, we got on the board of examiners and stuff like this and I had just had an equity good time. I was on, I went from playing politics. I was through the Republican governor and through the Democratic governor. I was on there for 10 years. And before like we took the whole thing over and wow. open the door for everybody and uh, before that like when i was they say if you pass your boards and stuff you come down for an interview and they say now the interview is this orthopedic neurological exam and if you happen to come from palmer or, or life or something else we flunk the interview i said how the work can you flunk an interview the universe is high uh, yeah <laughs> so anyways we changed that all around and we before long 
uh, it was here's a funny little incident because uh, we changed it all around and they they would come down. It was ridiculous. They even they had to come down because they had all their, their all their exams. And so one time I was holding a meeting and it was the board of examiners, and they come running in. We had like thirty five potential candidates come through, and they, and they said the fire marshal says you got too many people here. <laughs> like this. Okay, well, all the candidates stand up. <laughs> I raised my hand. I said, "You're all duly licensed to practice chiropractic. Go forth and serve." <laughs> <laughs> and so I had a good time when I was on the board of examiners. And um, while I was on there, I we only had one person we couldn't get a license to, and I, I just because I used to do the examinations and I'd take out questions if they flunked it or something until they finally get it. You know, because I mean, like I'd ask questions like who discovered chiropractic past year, D.D. Palmer, stuff like this. And we had one dude, I just couldn't take enough questions. I just couldn't make it through. You couldn't I answer it. Who he went to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, the, the way I looked at it, when you came through chiropractic college, you, you're, you're approved by the states. There's no reason the states would start examining you again like you, they're going to come up with a new program. And right. uh, the, the interesting thing people say, well, when you went back to school, the, you didn't have to learn anything. Well, you know, when we went to school, we had basic science exams, and that was given to the osteopaths, medical doctors, and chiropractors. We sat down with medics and osteopaths to take our exams. It wasn't like a, a national board given to chiropractors. And, it was uh, a universal test, eh? Right. It was like that's off. They thought they were going to get rid of us if they give us the exam, make us sit down with medics and things like this. Well, it didn't happen. We rose, all us chiropractors rose the situation, and I think we've become uh, uh, the uh, iconoclasts arising with the spiz. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So uh, tell me a little bit about when you first met uh, Dr. Sid Williams and, uh, and how, like, how was that experience and when you first met? Well, first time I, <laughs> I used to have roommates that were, uh, sent to school from Dr. Sid you know, when I was at Palmer, because he graduated I think, around 54 and I, I, I had just come in 57. And they would tell me, he says, yeah, I was talking talk to Dr. Sid and he adjusts me over the phone. He puts the phone up there and he adjusts me over the phone. I says, oh, this, I got to meet this dude. So, <laughs> I remember seeing him when I was a student, I'd be over in Rock Island, Illinois at a bar or something. And I watched him walk across. It's like the way he carried himself, it's like he would float across the floor. I says, I was already impressed already. So then when he started his uh, sign out things, publications, I started using that stuff. And then uh, it was like, uh, would be probably 69 was the first time I went down to Atlanta. And, you know, I was right. I used to listen, read all BJ's books. I, I had all his tapes and stuff. And so when I went to Atlanta and heard uh, Sid talk, I finally somebody found that I, I could, there's somebody I could talk to. I used to, I used to talk to myself because nobody read green books. I was listening to all the tapes and stuff like this. Right. And uh, so when I found that, I said, oh, God, I've come home now. This is really great. And I got people of like mind. And uh, it was, it's like a history after that. Um, and it, it, what it did was touch me into that magic that all of a sudden I could build a practice I wanted. We could do all these various things. I, 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 we went out and built a practice. Every time we go to D, we, our meetings, my practices would get larger and larger until I was seeing close to 400 patients a day. And it's like, and I worked three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I had a home office. And people yeah. say, well, don't people come in on the off days? I says, no, that's not a part of my consciousness because the off days, I was in the state capitol working on chiropractic up there too. Wow. Yeah. So you've, you've put a whole life, life into the whole profession, hey? Yeah. And the interesting thing is I raised my kids in it. They went to all the meetings. They went to the DE meetings. They went to our state association meetings. Uh, they may have been running around breaking into the ice machine, but they were at all the, all the meetings. You know. They're learning through osmosis, right? <laughs> right, exactly right. They were raised in it. Now, I used to tell all my chiropractor friends, I said, when you bring anybody who come to a symposium or something like D or what's time, make sure you bring your wife. You cannot grow in this stuff and leave your wife at home or your spouse. 
either mm -hmm. way. It, it, this has to be a, a thing that comes together because it's like, uh, it, it's just, it, it's, it's, it's principles of life, how you live your life from, and then, you know, it should be done together. And that's, and it, it and what happened is more and more people brought their spouses until it became a real family thing. That's so cool. That's awesome. Now, um, Tell me a little bit about the, the beginning of life and, and kind of how were you involved with that and how did it come together, the Life University? Well, well we kept talking because like uh, we were just, I, I was holding student recruiting programs in my home, okay? Life yeah. hadn't started yet. We were sitting in the Palmer and uh, some of the other people sent them to Logan and I got up to like, we had 150 people in my home, you know? And eventually I like, but then we got this, I got this sense of, I can't even have a student recruiting program. I don't want to send them to Palmer. They're, they're losing chiropractic. And then um, another chiropractic college started in the South. I'm not going to mention the name, but they changed the, they changed the chiropractic philosophy because BJ was incorrect. They fixed it the way it's supposed to be. So we knew that we needed to get, if we wanted to keep the heritage, the, the philosophy, the, the, the basic thing that D.D. Palmer founded and D, uh, BJ developed through all the years. And that's why we just finally decided we better get life going. And, and we uh, met for three different years in Ormond, Beach, Florida, walking the beach and talking about, you know, like we got to get a school going, Sid is the, you know, the mentor. He says, yes, we got to do this. And the question is like, well, we, we don't have really have any money. And that's what I was telling you. I was like, yeah, you know, I'm trying to figure out how to feed my kids. I was like, and it's, don't worry, just write the checks out. There was no money in the bank. I couldn't take money out of the bank. I was like, okay, we're right the next out. Okay, we'll do this. And uh, if you looked at the kind of money we had to put in with today's money, it would be like $75,000 we all came up with, you know, a piece. Wow. <laughs> so, wow. And then all of a sudden, uh, we're, we're, we got this thing going. And, and uh, right, Kate, three months later, Dr. Sister, well, we need to have you sign some bank contracts huh, because we don't have money to pay the faculty. <laughs> oh, wow. How, how many? So how many? contracts and everything else but uh it was like uh you don't realize the difference you make by making decisions and you, and you don't make them from a logical educated point of view and the thing that struck me is and i don't know if i told you before but i was in uh puerto rico uh last year doing a continuing ed program for them and this one chiropractor gets up and he says my child was born was not breathing we had a midwife and i adjusted them and my child is alive today. And I realized that was precipitated because we started life. He became a chiropractor and this girl was alive today. And uh, I just had a good friend of mine. He was, uh, I sent him to school back in, uh, well, 68 or 69. He was 10 years older than me. He had seven children and wow. he had to get this undergraduate. He had to get graduate stuff at Palmer together, packed up his family, went out to Davenport, Ran a daycare because they thought they might as well have 30 people in your family. Instead of the, and he went through school like this and he just passed away uh, like yesterday. And he was oh. 92. I mean, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, 92. And it just struck me is that in the office, just saying you need to be a chiropractor, this guy spent 45 years of his life as a chiropractor. And this, he, he was what you'd call lower middle class. Mm -hmm. income working two shifts just to feed his family went to school did undergrad graduate at the same time went out and for 45 years served humanity and i was wow. reading in the obituaries all the wonderful things and i says that's the reason we do all these things that's why when you say to that patient everything can become a guy when you say to anybody the world is changing 
Yeah. And that's what you're doing here. This is changing the world. One person picks up on this and you don't know where it's going. And it's like years later, somebody comes and I say, I remember that podcast. I, I remember this. Yeah, totally. This is like phenomenal stuff. And to me, it's, we get to wake up in the morning and we get to do this all the time. And it's like, <laughs> why? It's like, and you can do it anywhere. You can adjust, you can open your mouth, you can talk to tick, you get to do it. And the world changes. And uh, we're so privileged to be in this understanding. This guy, Reggie Gold, used to say, when you see someone, we're therefore the greatest go on. I could be over there wandering, wandering around, but the grace of God came through and enlightened me to the point I was able to touch people's lives and have this understanding. Yes. Wow. That's so cool. And so when you started life, how many chiropractors were there that raised about 75 grand each sort of like, uh, there, what, was what, like uh, there was nine of us, nine of you. That is crazy. So nine of I you started. Realize, <laughs> I didn't realize how few there really was until all of a sudden in 2002, we hit the skids, you know, with the, with the, uh, the, uh, uh, accreditation. The accreditation thing. And then I looked at back at the donors and I said, Oh my God, we were carrying this thing. <laughs> <laughs> just nine people that's crazy so let, let's get into that a bit so um so then oh well, actually we'll, we'll just continue along the process so did you um were you were you on the board of trustees like the whole time through yeah i, I was on the board of trustees since 74 and then we started life west i was on the board of regents since that was in 75 started on that one i was out there uh for time being then put all my time here at uh at the uh, marietta campus and uh yeah. And, and when, when was the date that you moved down to Atlanta? So like from Michigan? Well, I didn't move down to Atlanta. I moved down to Florida. Oh. <laughs> and I was there for 25 years and I go back and forth between my office in Florida. And then I was teaching inner winter seminars, which was developing the people to have awakening to the inner, the inner power that innate within. And so I would be flying back and forth between my home in Florida and my office up in Michigan. I had a condo up there. And it was like three years ago, I finally decided just to come up here. And I have a you know, son that practiced here. And I, actually, I got now three sons that are now here in the, in the Atlanta area. Cool. All you know, they're all kind of congested here now. We're going to, you know, they're going to do their thing here. That's all. Well, that's good. So you'll be closer to family. So you can just move to, yeah. uh, to Atlanta. Yeah. That's it. That's so you're on the board. And then, um, and then tell me a little bit about when, how did, how did the accreditations thing even happened in the first place tell tell because a lot of listeners again we have a lot of students that listen to this too from different schools that that are not our way of thinking but um but they probably don't even know the the story so i'd love you to tell the story of how that started with the accreditation well the credit we've never been an inferior school and we should never have the accreditation but uh dr sid was this iconoclast that ruffled feathers a lot right? <laughs> and uh, it got to a certain point that he would, he would really, uh, he really ticked them off. <laughs> he got them really mad. <laughs> and it was like, the thing is, uh, they had the power to take the accreditation, huh? but they didn't, they didn't have the right to do it. In other words, it was based that they had the power to do it. And if you can survive through it, well, then you would get it back. <laughs> this type of thing. Well, you just don't get it back because you're out of business. And so, right. um, uh, through the years of being such an irritant, and that was the kind of person that we needed in our profession at the time, it was kind of like BJ, you know, the, yeah, um, it, it, this whatever like it is. agitator, <laughs> an agitator, yeah. you know, to keep you need a little conflict to have things rise. So right. anyways, uh, and, and I he had called me the night before and he said I was at the last 
she see me and this is what I told him. And I said, I had a spiritual experience. I said, Oh my God, you didn't say that. Did you? <laughs> 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 and, uh, needless to say, we did get, uh, we, we got the accreditation knocked out from underneath us and, uh, it came down. Then after that, then we had sax problems because now we didn't have money because we named students because we had, uh, couple thousand students and all of a sudden we had 350 students uh wow. it's like it's like having your office and you're seeing uh, 500 visits a, a week and all of a sudden you're now seeing 30 visits a week but you're yeah. over it's still the same well it's like it's not good yeah, yeah. so it, 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 it was we, we had a lot of good blessings a lot of uh, unsung heroes came out and made it all happen so that we could stay alive uh it came to me as, as the uh, chair person at the time she said i'm stepping down she says you're gonna have to take over I oh yeah, I, I read the BJ books where it says on the back, this is what this dude did, this is what this is, and they're gonna, there's a, eventually gonna be a green book and it says, and, and uh, Ribley closes life. <laughs> You're like, yeah, so <laughs> all the weight's on your shoulders. Not, that's not what I'm looking for. But anyways, all of a sudden, it was like, I think of a baton race, you know, when the baton's handed to you, it's like, you're not seeking it, but you're in this relay race. Here it is, what do you do? You run. And that's what I did, I picked it up and ran, and it never entered my mind that we're gonna close the school. Then I decided to take it on. Uh, I talked to student faculty and I came in there and I used to talk to students and they would cheer me on and I went to talk to students and they would tire and fail me now. <laughs> There's oh, only wow. one thing you can say to make them excited is we have accreditation. But the yeah. other thing that out of the whole thing, we had one class was delayed three months. That's the worst thing that happened. Wow. Out of, other than the fact that we lost our students and everything else. And, uh, but it was a, it was a necessary thing to happen in the divine plan. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting. I, I, I'll take it from the fact that uh, we were flying high. Life at one time had 5,000 students and 3,500 in the chiropractic program. Palmer needed to have something happen to them. They needed a rebirth of chiropractic. And they brought in uh, uh, Guy Rickman. Guy Rickman, yeah. So what happened then? All of a sudden, their enrollment started increasing. It started going. And... Uh, once we got kicked and we got knocked down, they didn't need Rickman anymore. Uh, They're the only game in town again. Right. And so I look at it this way. Innate whispered into um, Vicki Palmer's ear, let Guy go. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I get all the guy and talk to him because I had just got picked up on the internet about him. And I says, uh, I was like, how would you like to come home? That's what I said to him. So I, I, I said, how would you like to be in a place? And I'm going to ask you the question. I said, Did you, are, would you be coming to life to save life? Or are you, are you in a position that you have a bigger vision of where we can go? Because my life is not about life university. It's about chiropractic. And life university is the tool that we will use to take to a world. If the, if the College of Chiropractic wasn't there, I'd be, it's goodbye. It doesn't matter. This is all about. Do we change the world? Do we use this as a big? He said, I'm in there for the bigger picture. I said, you got a home. This is it. Cool. So when he came, I said, everybody here, I just want you to know, this will not be a Rickman school, be a Ridley school. It's not, we're no longer a name of a school. We're going to go. Every person brings something to the table. Every mm -hmm. person. And uh, I think our profession has grown to a point that we don't need to have a Williams School, a Palmer School, a Park. We need to have our profession takes responsibility for our schools. We need to grow up as a profession. And that's what, to me, Life wants to be example of, and mm -hmm. and to me it's like, if we don't grow up, we're going to die. We're going to be a, we're going to be a whatever personality happens to be there. You know, Northwestern when it started was a straight 
philosophical uh, chiropractic institution. And the man that started it, it stayed that way until he died. Then he was dead. That was the end of it. Logan was a very strong chiropractic college. I I knew Vinton Logan, and yeah. uh, and I saw him as a, as the next one after after uh, uh, BJ passed away, and then the, finally the following year he passes away. In fact, I was at a do it meeting with Bill Harris when they were happening, and, and uh, Napoleon Hill was there and all this stuff. No way, that's so cool. Yeah. So that weekend, that's when he he passed away, and so I just was reading like uh, like last month it says Logan saying they they are not vitalistic. And it's like, wow, this is how things have changed. That's why it's so important that you do what you're doing, that we continue doing what you do. Because if you take the innate out of this thing, it's gone. We're just being, what's physical medicine? Moving bones around for whatever reason. Right. Oh, that's so crazy. So yeah, that's, that's really interesting. It's just to learn, like when we got things based on personality, same thing with Parker too, right? Like Parker, same thing. As soon as he passed away, like everything kind of goes to the wayside. Now what... What are your opinions on, on what's going right now on in the profession where you got like the evidence-based people and they're kind of fighting against the vitalistic and they say vitalistic is um, all stuck in the past and it's all based on history and there's no science to it. What are your thoughts on, on, on that? For, I'm, all, I'm all for uh, evidence-based chiropractic and I think we should take ownership of it. We're yeah. attempting to take and bring ownership of evidence-based medical thought into chiropractic. Right. We have evidence-based chiropractic, and we need to start talking about that. And I've talked to Do, Do, Dr. Rob Scott about this. He said, well, we teach it, I continue it. I says, we need to call it evidence-based. 100%. We put our programs together and take ownership of this instead of, you know, it's like, if they want to talk, I'll talk about evidence-based, but from a chiropractic point of view. Right. If we have the criteria. We have all this. We have demonstrated. We have all these things. And so, but we keep, we have those in our profession that come in and say evidence-based and they want to use medical evidence-based. Fine. I understand. I don't think that they use chiro evidence-based chiropractic when they look at drugs. <laughs> <laughs> so why would we take theirs as we look at adjusting? Right. So it's like, uh, it's, it, we have to take more and become, in other words, uh, you have ownership when you say something. Yeah. You know, and to me, it's, I'm, I'm for taking ownership of things. Yeah, a hundred percent. So, so for people out there, and again, what would be your suggestions that we do then is is gather more of that vitalistic evidence and and uh, and research. Like, what what would what would you say the next steps the profession could take in our style of chiropractic? Well, first off, we got a lot of clinical evidence, and there's no reason why we shouldn't be making better better use of it. That's why we uh, started with that one chiropractic as a new association, and we're doing uh, one grateful patient. We're starting to develop a network of testimonials. So you go out and then I put a, some kind of whatever conditions you're looking for and you get to hear people who have had those kind of problems, went to a chiropractor and they're better today. So evidence-based, it means that yes, here are patients that are doing this. There are studies being made. I know they did up Michigan people with asthma and they did chiropractic and they did other things and they showed it under chiropractic care, much better response and things like this. And we can do a lots of these things. And then the fact that there is a criteria that we use and you know, one of the evidence bases, what's the evidence that you use for uh, determining whether you make a chiropractic adjustment? And it's like, uh, you do an examination, you look taut tender fibers, you're using for what symptoms? Tender fibers, taut fibers. Those are all symptoms of fact that the sub would say. So we have a lot of stuff that we can start talking about instead of apologizing for. And right. uh, to me it's like, we need to be as vocal as the other side in the profession. And we're not. Mm -hmm. Just because they don't have anything else to do, they are very vocal. But you know what? We can be vocal too. 
We should be the predominant thought. The first, if you had a predominant patient in your office, it should be a deaf person, not a back problem. <laughs> right. Now the next group would probably be a heart problem because that's how chiropractic started. Where did the back thing come up? Well, someone started telling us that we're back doctors and all of a sudden we woke up one day and says, wow, I guess I'm a back doctor. That's why I like when the fact that we start talking about we're a nerve, we, we deal with the nervous system. Right. And that's, that's what we do. Why do you, as I was talking to somebody, uh, do you think that when you go to a medical doctor, you consider them uh, skin doctors or pin cushions or something? I mean, that's all they do is stick pins into your skin. Yeah. If we move a bone because of a nerve problem, we're not a bone doctor, we're a nerve doctor. So we need to get our mindset. We're not going to give up the fact that we don't deal with the spine, but we want to uh, amplify the thought of the nervous system is what's being affected. We don't throw out the baby with the wash. We keep the spine, but we emphasize the nervous system. And in the past, we've been emphasizing the spine and secondarily the nervous system. And it's probably, you know, like what's, what's happening is we got to get things out front, what we're really about. Right. Totally. Now to, to change gears a bit, um, you've worked with a lot of chiropractors over the years, right? Sure. <laughs> In your estimation, what are, what's some of the number one challenge? Because again, we have, uh, we call it the under, breaking the underdog curse for vitalistic chiropractors. That's the name of the podcast. And so um, what, what are some of the challenges that you find that chiropractors would be having out there and, and what would be your suggestions for them to help overcome those? <laughs> I don't know. I can't. I, can't, I do not know what challenges they're having. I, I, like I know it. that when I start out in practice, when I started telling the story, people came in. Mm -hmm. I did tell the story, nobody came in. And it's like, uh, maybe uh, there's a lack of people having a chiropractors that don't have a faith, confidence, and belief in their products and services. Mm -hmm. uh, and so uh, I, I can't, that's something they're going to have to serve. That's why I started Interwinners years ago is because uh, we have to awaken chiropractors of their inner potential. Dr. Sid used to say, people don't understand that we have a secret weapon here. Mm -hmm. in uh, how could you build a chiropractic institution when Palmer is to Sterling, or is chiropractic, is, Palmer is the chiropractic, Sterling is the silver. Yeah. And they're the fountainhead and you could surpass them. Right. Because we can outwork them if we let the innate flow. And so if you're inspired from within, and so to me, in any chiropractor, wherever they're at, <clears throat> it doesn't matter what you're doing in your life, if you're inspired from within and are willing to do the dance that goes with it, you'll be nothing but ultra successful at doing what you're doing. That's why I do inner winter stuff, is to awaken people to their innate that's within, because they don't, they are not awakened to it. And then they have false beliefs about what they can do. You're like, you're like uh, you have to challenge your belief systems because what a belief is something but a thought you play it over and over now it's a belief and right. then you create your life from that belief i mean uh, from that thought it's like come on now you can have any thought it's like uh how many religions in the world everyone believes it yeah and they'll all die for it right you got to understand those are beliefs now yeah i'm not saying they're right or wrong but they are beliefs mm -hmm. we need to get a belief about chiropractic we need to get chiropractors to get more faith and confidence in what they have Mm -hmm. and, and you can't teach it to them right that's, that's the thing you just can't teach it to them you can so, expose them yeah you know that whole thing yeah no and again i'm just i'm asking because i know that people because we work with chiropractors too and, they, and a lot of times they're all in their head right and, and we talk about trying to get into the heart um but they all want to know what to do 
in order to be different, <laughs> which is the, like you said, that's the challenge. So if someone's feeling like they don't have that confidence and belief, what kind of recommendations would you have for, for that chiropractor to try to kind of get into their innate? Okay. Even though it's hard I would to tell them, have you ever had a gut feeling about doing something? Most people have. Yeah. Now, have you ever noticed sometimes when you do, you don't follow your gut feeling as you open up Pandora's box? Now, it's like quit making decisions and start making discoveries. What I want you to do, you know your brain is wired the same as your brain up in your cranium? Same nervous system. The brain in the ner up here in your cranium is you're educated. It learns all those things necessary for you to create what you want from your creative side of yourself. The heart center mm -hmm. is the brain of creativity. It's your connection to the universe. Get out of your head, get down into your gut, start following your gut feelings, start doing it for every little thing. The more you do that, the stronger you become before long, you won't be thinking up here. And then people invariably will come up to me and they'll say, what do you think about this? And my answer always is, I don't think about my stuff, so I'm not going to think about your stuff. <laughs> so that's the thing is stop thinking so much. <laughs> that's exactly it and start getting into the feeling. What do you feel about this? When I do a fire walk and I say this, how do you walk across fire? People go to Tony Robbins fire walks and he says, now you're ready to walk. That's the same thing the world's been telling you. They'll tell you what you can and cannot do. You come to a fire walk, I want you to say to yourself, after I've explained things, I'm gonna walk across the fire. How's it feel? I'm not gonna walk across the fire. How does it feel? Honor the strongest feeling. That's, That's all cool. it is. And start asking questions about all the things you're doing. I'm going to. I'm going to do it this way. I'm going to do it this way. What's the strongest? Way? Get into the feeling that you got, that intuitive. You'll get that creative side of yourself, and the juices will start flowing. And before long, you won't be thinking about things anymore. You'll be acting on it. So you get your – see, isn't the present time consciousness? Is what's going on right now. Use your educated mind so that you can allow it to express. That's all. What's going on with you? You don't run your life from education. Imagine running your life from an educated point of view. You watch TV last night. You know that everybody's being raped, bugged, and killed. And so I, I want to listen to that. I think I'll go to the office now and see if I can adjust a few people. <laughs> With that running through your head, exactly. Yeah. Uh, brutal. Um, now, for, for chiropractors, and again, you'll probably be a little bit similar here, but has there been a time in your life where you just got burnt out, like uh, because just not looking after yourself or just kind of got off, off track? I've had times in my life I went to sleep. In other words, uh, we're talking about from a, 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 a innate point of view of living your life. I fell asleep. Yeah. I got Shirley McLean's book years ago, Out on a Limb. So I read the book, and I says, God, I was I fell asleep. <laughs> Not, you know what I mean? Like, what's what gives here? This is easy. Uh, it was interesting. Uh, Ian Grass, a very good friend of mine, through all the years, um, he was helping life and everything else and I called him and I says I just finished it surely amazed. I just finished it too he says I was sleeping too and it's like uh, yeah you, before long if, unless you keep track of things the world starts entering into you I've never had a feeling of burned out yeah because you, know, you know it's a when anybody tells me they got burned out, I said I can if you're functioning from within yourself it doesn't get burned out what are you talking about it's like my liver doesn't work because I got burned out yesterday it's like, <laughs> as long as you keep your connection so to me, it's like, uh, yeah, there are times I might have forgot a little bit about what my true nature is. Yeah. And it's just a man. 
reawakening yourself. That's why we tell everybody you need to meditate every day. Visualize, guide to meditate, do something every day. If the world starts kicking at you, take a, go back into your room, go to your office, get in the closet. Just take a few minutes, reprogram you, get yourself back to center. You know, mm -hmm. all of a sudden, the world looks different again. Mm -hmm. But you see, the thing is, we have choice. So you got to take responsibility for the world that you live in. We're not victims. You can be a victim. Right. If I drive down the street and a car runs into me, my first thought is, how do I create that? Right. Yeah. You know? I don't want to live. It's like someone says, what if that's not true? Let's put it this way. If I live my life and I thought I'm creating my world and I'm happy and the day I die, I find out that was bullshit. So what <laughs> if I, I said, well, I don't create my life. And I go through life and I'm merely miserable because I'm a victim all the time. And I come out at the end. Well, that was bullshit too. It's like, <laughs> it's like, so you get to choose how you want your life. How do you want to look at your life? You want it to be happy and, and feel good? Choose that way. Get a philosophy that supports you so you feel good through your life. And at the end of the day, you says, well, we did that. That was great. We accomplished something. I like this. That's great. Now, I'm just curious, what was it in that book that kind of brought your awareness that you'd fallen asleep? Okay. I, I don't know if you're familiar with Shirley McLean. She, she did a trip to Peru and this very, all these metaphysical things were happening to her, to him, to her. I mean, and uh, it was just that awakening that she was talking about the same stuff that I talk about, experience and everything else, except you kind of fall asleep and you're just not listening from within as much. You know, it's yeah. like you're going through life, you know, like, like, like you're just going through life. Right. So it's kind and, of like, uh, oh, that stuff was happening to me before, but it's not really happening as much anymore. You know, and it's like, you just like, you wake up, I said, oh, yeah, come on now. That's right. You know? <laughs> that's awesome. Now, um, now, as far as leadership goes, um, you started leadership pretty early in your career, right? I guess. Yeah. And, and, and again, it's not because we wanted to be a leader, but, but was, what was it that called you to be a leader? And, and for people out there who, wanted to, who want to have a positive effect on chiropractic, what kind of recommendations would you have for them to, to start growing? The profession. Well, well, first, let's. I remember we we're doing an interwinters program here, and I had a student at Life, and this was like a couple of years ago. He says, uh, "I want to, I want to be a leader." <laughs> <laughs> I says, uh, "What do you mean, you want to be a leader? This is like, like, what's a leader?" It's like <laughs> I have no idea what a leader is. You know what? I think it's about somebody that does something that's entered from within themselves and just starts doing it before long. So people are following it. But you know what? Everybody's a leader and everybody's a follower because everybody's got somebody in front of them that they're following and everybody's got somebody behind that you're leading. And so if you get caught up in how do you become a leader? You don't become a leader. Start living your dream. Yeah. If you start living your dream and dancing, your, when you sing your song, you'll find people singing with you. Mm -hmm. it's, you don't wait till they come and then you find, I'll sing a song <laughs> if I find somebody else that will join me to sing. No, right. I'm singing my song. Yeah. When I was in grade school, I can remember in grade school, I was in the fifth grade and then they had us sing in front of the room and someone said, you're off tune. I kept doing it and finally I, I shut my mouth and, and uh, they said, well, that's better. I quit singing. I finally found out years later, I was the only one in two, the rest of the world. <laughs> you know, it's like, come on now. And it's, it's, to me, it's like uh, the most important thing I think for every person is to, what's going on with you and start honoring it. Learn to say no to the world. When somebody keeps asking you, will you do this? Say no. Why don't you, every time you say no to other people, you're saying yes to yourself because we have this idea that I don't say, oh, I didn't want to do this, but I have to do this. I have to do this. No, you need to respond to what's your inner saying. What's going on within you? What do you need? 
Mm-hmm. I remember one, this was years ago. We had this uh, it was uh, chiropractors having all kinds of problems, and Ruth says, "We need to go to that meeting because I want to talk to him some more. I think you can you could make a difference in this life." And I says to him, I "says sunshine, my wife." I says, "Well." I'm not going, and uh, I guess he'll have another incarnation, maybe, and then I'll talk to him. But tonight's my night. <laughs> and if you understand what I'm talking about, is you got to respect your own inner sanctum, and you're not here to please the world. You're here to dance your dance, sing from within, and you know what you need to do from within yourself, and that's what you follow. That's your success in your practice. You get in that office, and you know I was doing it uh, like with my staff. I says, "How many patients are we gonna?" have this morning and they were giving me oh we have 50 and they went so now we're gonna only have one and so then i said how many in the afternoon i did the same thing again how many we're we gonna have this afternoon he says no we're only gonna have one what's our goal for the day i said one because the only thing that matters today is that one person that's in front of you and if you take care of one at a time all of a sudden you're gonna have all these numbers and to me, it's like, it's, it's coming back to experience your moment and, and have gratitude for that moment, that moment. And the, it'll all multiply out. If your love is to go out and change the world by telling the story, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. If I did a spinal screening and nobody comes in, is that a failure? When five people drove by my office and pulled in and they drove by 10 other chiropractors to get in my office, does the universe provide? Or do you say, no, I only want it on this avenue. I gave on that avenue, I have to come back on it. No. You give out to the world, the spirit brings it back according to its own way. And I think that Spencer always talks about when you put something out in the world, you said, I'll allow it to come in in its own time and frame. Right. I want it now. Or Robert just said, expect a miracle. So you get up tomorrow in the morning, where's the miracle? Oh, I guess it's coming tomorrow. Let's go down with the show. I'm, expe- I'm living in the expectations of the miracles of life. You know? And uh, it, to me, it's like, uh, it's, 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 it's an easy thing to say, live the moment. But it seems to be very difficult because we want to future pace ourselves. What about tomorrow? What about tomorrow? There is no tomorrow. Right. This moment, if you handle this moment, that means your family life will go in balance, your chiropractic life will be in balance, all these things will be in balance, and you're going to be a success at all of them. And, uh, and it's going to multiply. It's just going to multiply. That's so it, cool. It's like, how, have you talked to a chiropractor who says, I want to see 100 patients a day? He's at 99. He's all ticked off. Oh, God, I only had 99. Yes. The 99 he took care of means nothing. It was the one that didn't come in. It's good grief. You had 99 people. You should be on your knees praying to God. Say, thank you, thank you, thank you. I have 99 people. I touched the whole world's different because uh, you're talking about somebody who didn't come in. And probably it's a good thing they didn't come in. <laughs> it's all about to get in that right reframe, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, um, our time's come to the end, so I, I really appreciate you taking this time, and I, and I really appreciate meeting you. Uh, I've always heard lots about you, but it wasn't it wasn't until we were at Cairo Europe where I got to meet you, and it was a, it was an honor to meet you. Um, now, at the end of my podcast, I always leave the last couple minutes uh, just to see whatever innate com- puts in your mind to share with our listeners. We have listeners in Australia, New Zealand, UK, United States, and Canada. Uh, and they're vitalists of chiropractors out there and they might be in a tough space or they might just be driving to work looking for a little inspiration. And, uh, and what kind of words would you like to leave those people with? Well, the interesting thing, I talked to a chiropractor and he says, if any other reason I want to be a chiropractor is I get to adjust my family. He doesn't see many people. I get to adjust my family. And to me, is the last word, the only thought I want to have is that if you adjust one person, the world's different. You've affected the whole world. And if you live that way, you take that, 
just have the gratitude that you're a chiropractor, you're releasing a life force, you're connecting God to spiritual back into God to the physical. It's like a wonderful thing. You get up every morning excited once again to show up. I make a difference and you all make a difference. Mm. The choice is the difference you make. You would decide that. Mm, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing. It's been an honor to be able to chat with you and interview. Okay. This is great. <laughs> So everybody out there, um, I'm inspired. I can't wait to get to the practice tomorrow and start adjusting people. So I'm, I'm pretty pumped up from this interview myself. So uh, like always, get inspired, be grateful, and get out there and crush the curse. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you receive value from this episode, please take some time to rate and review us on iTunes or your favorite place to listen to podcasts. If you know a fellow chiropractor that could benefit from this message, please share it with them. Because it's my goal to provide you with great content, please contact me if you have any questions at drdonmcdonald.com or find me on Facebook. I look forward to hearing from you. So until next time, Dr. Don out.